Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 39, Chastity, part 10 of our Virtues and Vices series, recorded Thursday, April 3rd of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, gentlemen? Pretty good, actually. Good. Ups and downs. Yeah. Lost a terabyte of data when my hard drive just died. That's awful and horrible for anybody these days. Was able to save a script that was on there that was the most probably important piece. Oh, that's good. There were other files on there that I will sorely miss, so I'm probably going to be going to my friends and go, Hey, so when I get a new terabyte hard drive... Can, can we fix this thing and, like, get yeah. the information off of it? And... Before we finish this evening, let me go through a couple of troubleshooting steps with you, and maybe you can get at some of that stuff yourself. Okay. Yep. Hopefully I can. I mean, but then again, I don't want to keep you away from your FTL that you're going Yes, well. yes Grant and I are both looking at the new FTL update like, ooh, shiny! <laughs> yeah, and I'm well, drooling over it, and I'm not going to be able to do anything about it this weekend, so... But that's actually not a bad thing, because I've got friends coming up to spend the night with us this weekend and hang out and have fun, and the plan is to go to the local game store and partake of International Tabletop Day, which should be a great deal of fun. Whereas I will have an FTL update to keep me company while we don't have our Savage Shadowrun game on Friday night, so... Yeah, sorry about that. But we may also go see Captain America the Winter Soldier, which would be kind of remarkable for me, seeing a movie in theaters. Yeah, seeing as you don't generally seem to like movies or television or that sort of thing. Anything good, yeah, basically. (laughs) You do not like good things. Yeah. Your wife's words, not mine. Of course, she knows you better than I do, so... Yeah. Yeah. We would hope so. Yeah. It would be awkward otherwise, yes. Yeah, well, in the very early years of my marriage, I probably had a couple of old friends that knew me a little bit better than my wife did. Oh, uh, yeah, that's everybody. Although, we did have a, a funny moment. A couple of our friends were debating back and forth. They'd been dating for a while, and... You don't even know my middle name. The other one's... Who would know your middle name? Why would I know your middle name? And he turns to my wife. It's like, Chrissy, what are my middle names? She rattles them off. They've been dating for a couple of years at this point. It was bad <laughs> for him. Wow. <laughs> See, it was good with my last girlfriend because she went by her middle name. So Oh, well, there you go. I knew her first name and her middle name. And- yeah. Yeah, so that was... Confusing for the rest of us, but... I know, you know my wife's middle name. I think I have had that come up in a conversation maybe once in our entire marriage, which is coming up on 10 years now, yeah. so... And it's already started. Yeah. They're talking about their wives. We are. <laughs> We're talking about middle names. Yeah. yeah. got the butter knife. Tell me about it. <laughs> Thou shalt not cut with a butter knife, Brandon. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, stab myself. Thou shalt not cut bread. Thou shalt not cut yourself. <laughs> thou shalt not cut the draperies or the Don't desk try and, surface. No, no, no. Do not tell him to try and cut bread with a butter knife. That is just an exercise in frustration. <laughs> thou shalt not cut bread with a butter knife. All right, good. Just the only sure. thing that thou shalt cut with a butter knife is soft butter. Fair enough. <laughs> Speaking of uh. futile efforts, I've started taking up running. 
don't know that it's all that futile. No, I've it's actually going really seen well. Some of your stats that you've posted, it sounds like it's going well for it's you. It's the first time I've taken up exercise and enjoyed it, yeah. which is kind of nice. I want know? to apologize for my laughing. That was not Grant laughing at running. That was me laughing at your joke, Grant. So take it no, as a compliment. No, no I think he's training to like chase me down and drag me back to South Carolina, which <laughs> I, I think is something that he's expecting to be a lot more difficult than it's actually going to be. I don't know. Uh, Listen. It was 80 degrees today. Yeah, that's a little warm for my taste, but yeah. you know, I think I could probably deal. Yeah. I've been looking at like this past winter with its sub-zero temperatures and it's like nine feet of snow, which is actually not that much of an exaggeration. It added up to, I think, about seven feet over the course of the winter here. And, well, I do okay with winter, but this really kind of stunk. And then my poor wife is just like, I hate winter, I hate winter. Like every 12 hours I hear it from her and it's like... Yeah. Maybe I could just deal with being a little sweatier because yeah, I looked up know. some statistics and I don't think your summers are actually much worse than ours. It's just the rest of the year is milder. That's right. We have it better. <laughs> well, politically, you have it better than we do, but that's a very low bar. I do live in Illinois. <laughs> hey, politics jokes. Our state is known for corruption. Three of yes. our last four governors are in jail. And that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't want to get into specific issues. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. It's actually been really nice having the weather this warm because starting to run, you kind of don't want it to be awful because that's horribly demoralizing. Well, <laughs> and, and I've also found that if I try and run in cold weather and my body isn't really adapted to running, sucking in the cold air really burns my lungs and I get, you know, that's unpleasant for a yeah. while after you finish running. So. Yeah, I've been getting that too, but it's been really nice and just a pleasant time to run kind of late in the day after a nice warm day. Things have cooled off just a little. It's it's perfect. So I've been doing that. I'm doing the uh, the couch to 5K plan, which is really neat. It's basically a method of stepping up from doing nothing running wise to running a 5K in about nine weeks. Wow. Yeah. And I am in bad enough shape that I've had to slow that plan down a little bit, but I've really enjoyed it, and it's given me some clear goals. I'm on the couch to bed plan. Yeah, well. <laughs> you get out of the couch and go to bed. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, it also takes nine weeks. Well, off your life every year? Or... If you didn't have your bed several states away, you wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I'm also reading Dune. Just wanted to say that. A friend of mine said I wasn't their friend if I didn't read Dune. And I would so agree. I'm not Dune. So which means they have to read Mistborn. Yes, and all of you should read Hyperion. So. All right, l let me ask you something. <laughs> Since we're on this subject, if there was one book that kind of defined you and your reading, what would it be? And we'll leave out obvious things like the Bible or the first D&D &D book you ever picked up or whatever, right? Just like one piece of fiction. Okay, fiction specifically. <clears throat> I don't know that one, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, he's speaking in the guttural language of some strange alien space vulture. Yeah. And I asked this in part because I just saw today that Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who wrote 100 Years of Solitude, Love in a Time of Cholera, Nobel winning author. He's in the hospital with unspecified problems. But, so it just kind of had me thinking about like, that. Well, right, so what are the qualities you're looking for? Because If you had to say this is the one book that had the most impact on me or defines me the most or just means the most to me because it I read it at exactly the right time. Whatever. I don't even care. Name a book that's important to you. Go. I'm going to be a horrible Philistine and trot out a graphic novel for this one because right. it is one of my favorite stories in any medium. 
and that is the Astro City Confession hmm. storyline from Astro City. It's about this kid from a small town who goes into the big city to become a hero sidekick, basically. He gets a lot more than he bargained for in both good and bad ways. He's around for some events that really kind of shake the world. He develops a whole new perspective on his father. There's a whole bunch of really cool, deep character development and moral dilemma and stuff like that in there. The storyline is very kind to Christianity, both Catholicism and Protestantism, actually. There's a bunch of really neat stuff in there. I cannot Hmm. recommend that highly enough. Cool. Brandon? All right, so I was racking my brain because I'm like, all right, do, do I... Do I go Mistborn, which is the obvious pumping is my favorite? Do I go with one of the books of Scott Sigler, which I kind of like? Or do I go with the first book that I really got to listening to patio books, A Seventh Son by J.C. Hutchins? And oh. that was the one that spawned everything for me. And then I decided, why don't I go one step back from that? Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. Hmm. It was the okay. very first audiobook I ever got. It was a book report in English. I had to read. Up until that point, I had not read any of the books in English. They would be given to me. We would be assigned chapters. I wouldn't read them. I would participate in discussions. The teacher would think I had read it for how able I was to pull off of people's ideas and ask questions and just generally BS my way through the discussions. I'm glad I wasn't the only one of those. But eventually the teacher caught on. She was like, you have to read this. My mom got it to me on audiobook. I got sick. I listened to it. It was amazing. I loved the story, which was great because everyone else had been saying how much of a horrible story it was. They were bored by it. I got done with it in a couple days. I was through the whole book. It wasn't just, I listened to three chapters and I'm good. Mm, It was like, no, I'm done. And I understood the book better than a lot of my other classmates. I was able to defend one of the characters and their actions against this girl who was trying to like say, well, he's just a jerk and maybe he forced this person to do it. And I'm like, nah, the very beginning, this person said this thing. If you take it with what we know now, he's literally saying right. this whole big thing that totally destroys your art. Cool. I was trying to say that without spoilers. Oh, yeah, I, I get you. Technically, it is a you know old book and you should probably... Can you spoil literature that's over a century old <sighs> that... Everybody, except probably our foreign listeners, had to read at some point. I don't know about had to read. I think there are some people who maybe didn't have to read it. Yeah. I actually didn't have to read it, so I'm one of the people who hasn't. Hmm. Strange. I also liked the priest and his struggle and his yeah. thing. Well, it's very real. Really, the priest is the character that spoke to me more in Scarlet Letter, but there you are. Anyway. I mean, Hester Prynne is good, too. Sure. I-, I like how, you know, sort of the A changes its meaning over the course of the book but right. we're not here to discuss the scarlet mm-hmm. letter welcome to book club yeah, I know, right? by you know saving the game podcast yes indeed. we had a short segue into the book business podcast the other day so yeah <laughs> i know it's almost like we like words and reading how strange a, oh my a wall of 38 shelves of books behind yeah me. a podcast with a couple of introverts on it it goes yeah, yeah. when i was kind of asking myself this i had a couple of options as well 100 Years of Solitude, like I said, amazing book. Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series, the whole thing, means a lot to me. I was able to finish it, actually, Brandon, for the same reason you were able to finish The Scarlet Letter, listening to it on audiobooks. It made a lot more sense to me, maybe slowed things down enough that I could follow it. I don't know. But I'd say probably the book that means the most to me is Hyperion 
by Dan Simmons, really the whole Hyperion Cantos, but Hyperion in particular, partly because of the way the book is structured. It's a really fascinating science fiction frame story with six different stories told by the six different main characters, each in their own voice with their own perspectives and their own truths. You have a Catholic priest, humans marooned on a planet for ages. You have classical Jew whose daughter was studying ancient artifacts and has started aging backwards and his struggle with why this has happened to him and his daughter and why God would let it happen. You have someone who's in a relationship with a cloned version of John Keats. It's this wacky set of stories that all tie together into one amazing story that's fascinating beyond words. It's an amazing book. That's my one. Hmm. Yep. It's also the book that I spent a lot of time talking about when my wife and I were first dating. You know, she was like, oh, hey, what kind of books do you read? And I was like, probably this one's my favorite and kind of talked about it. And she went out and bought the books and read them because I was interested in them. And she was like, I want, I want to know what this guy's reading. So, you know, we uh, that's why we have a copy of it still. Also, the fact that we don't get rid of books. Yeah. People get rid of books. That's a thing. I'm casting guilty glances at my 40 bookshelves <laughs> behind me. Yes. I have two bookshelves worth of just nothing but RPG supplements. So yeah. let he who is without the sin cast the first stone here. Yeah. When I say shelves, I mean a shelf, not bookcase. But we've got a large library. I only have one shelf full of RPG material, though. I've got like one bookcase right next to me that's got a shelf of the RPG material and game guides. and Then a whole bunch of textbooks. And then the bottom is board games. Yeah. Let's see here. If I run all of my RPG stuff together, I think I probably have about 24 linear feet of gaming books. Nice. I wish those numbers made sense to me. There you go. You take one shelf that's 24 feet long, stand all the books up so that you're seeing them spine on, and they would stretch from one end of the shelf to the other. Yep. Okay. Remember, he works in bookstores. He measures things in feet, not shelves. So Sometimes. That's the excuse I'm going to use here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we actually yeah, move let's on get with into our scripture? No, I say we just keep talking about this. We don't do right. the episode. New format. <laughs> books only. Yeah. New podcast. <laughs> I mean, I would do that podcast. Don't get me wrong. But you this know. is the one that we're recording the closest to April Fool's Day. So I suppose some joking was inevitable. Yeah, probably. <laughs> also, it's us. So some joking is inevitable. <laughs> and some geeking out about books, right? Yeah. A quick reminder for everybody who's listening, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our back episodes at savingthegamepodcast.org. We're also on Facebook, Google+, Twitter. Links to all of these on our webpage. We're just saving the game pretty much anywhere you go on social media. Follow us there. And if you are new to our Virtues and Vices series, you can also find all of those episodes in the Virtues and Vices category on our website. Also, since we are talking about chastity tonight, it's not going to be quite as bad as our lust episode, but there may be one or two times where we veer into things that are a little more mature than you'd normally expect from a podcast that's rated clean. So you've been warned. Also, at some point, Brandon may run screaming into the night if Grant and I get too gushy about our spouses. Well, or if it just happens. It's a thing. It's always a risk, really, with Brandon. You never know. Secretly, he's a were-moose. We have the rapid response force in case he runs screaming into the night. Yes. Bring our editor back. Come on. Yeah, if editing the last episode is not going to send me screaming into the night. Like, it was a great episode, but it was... Editing intensive? Yeah, it was Well, I seem to remember that I 
stopped recording a little too early and had to send you two tracks and yeah it was a mess anyway yeah, i'm sorry about that it's all, okay. right. It's all right but that's enough inside baseball brandon you yeah. want to start us off with our scripture exodus 2014 you shall not commit adultery this is job 31 verses 1 through 4 i made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman for what is our lot from god above our heritage from the almighty on high is it not ruin for the wicked disaster for those who do wrong does he not see my ways and count my every step? And our last bit of scripture is the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, nor of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord." Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Okay, so... As we mentioned earlier, we have the topic of chastity, which is the virtue that counteracts and corresponds to lust. Right. Which is the sin, obviously. Exactly. So how are we going to define this, gentlemen? Well, the best definition I've found that's the simplest is the moderation or exclusion of sexual desire and appetites, which put rather more colloquially is basically keeping control of or suppressing entirely sexual desire, keeping sexual relations within marriage, or being celibate. That's a pretty good definition, but I think in terms of like a marital relationship, I would say channeling properly instead of suppressing. Well, I say suppressing because that is the celibate yeah. take on the virtue of chastity. And chastity more generally is just keeping it within marriage because celibacy is really only, it's not all that important to a lot of Christian denominations. It's mentioned a fair bit in Paul's letters, but by and large, most Christians aren't really called to be celibate. Chastity, keeping sexual relations within marriage is hard enough, much less celibacy. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, I've never understood the importance of celibacy, and I suppose that's just a failing of me as an educated Christian. I, I really... I've never been able to wrap my head around that. Yeah, I really haven't either. I see a lot of value in... A solid Christian marriage, more so now that I'm in one, but I honestly don't really get it either. I don't either, and so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that because I wouldn't be speaking with any sort of authority on that. So, no. One thing worth noting, we've been using this seven deadly sins, seven heavenly virtues scheme of virtues that comes out of the psychomachia, but if you look at the Pauline virtues, you know, that you have the cardinal virtues and the theological virtues. Chastity is a form of temperance. It's one of the cardinal virtues there. It's 
basically being restrained in appetite and desire. The other thing that's important to note about chastity is that it's abstention from sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage, but it does also include fulfilling the sexual needs of your spouse. There's, I think, a misconception of chastity sometimes as this sort of loveless, all right, sex for procreation only kind of idea. And that does crop up in some denominations, but the three of us don't belong to those as far as I know. So Yeah, you know, if that's your take on it, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong necessarily, but it's not really how I've ever been taught it. Nor I. And honestly, that's about as far as I think we need to go for definitions, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. Well, chastity is staying faithful to one person in the confines of a marriage. Right, and not having any sexual relations until that marriage. In biblical times, a lot of times marriage was defined differently as it was one man and many women. The man consecrated the woman by putting a ring on her finger, and now marriage has changed to be an exchanging of rings. Mm -hmm. It was really important to make sure that you inherited properly because you wanted to make sure that your wife didn't have another son out there by some other man who could come in and say, oh, this stuff is mine. Right. If you're telling a story, you know, set in a different world, marriage that doesn't quite work the same way as, as a Christian marriage in and of itself could be a very interesting plot point. Mm -hmm. But I want to get back to that in a second. But let's move on to the rather more interesting question of using chastity in the game and stories that you're telling. Yeah. And the first thing that probably comes up for a lot of people is the idea of a vow of chastity. Probably anybody who played D&D &D and had the, was it Complete Divine? Uh, Book of Exalted Book Deeds. Book of Exalted Deeds. Book of Exalted Deeds, yes. Anybody book who's... of Broken Things. Yes, the Book <laughs> of Horribly Broken Things. If you had that. The Book of Lots of Power for Acting Like a Hero, yeah. Yes, that was probably the first thing that popped into your head, too. Vow um, of Poverty was the worst. You know, I actually oh, yeah. saw someone run a statistical analysis on that, and if you itemized properly, the Vow of Poverty was slightly worse in terms of what you got. Yeah, but how many groups itemized properly? Well, none. So there you go. My GM just gave me ridiculous things and then told me none of it mattered. <laughs> yes, we Yeah, <laughs> but that that's was... a complaint for a different day. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> All right. But the idea of a vow of chastity, or really any sort of vow related to that, always a particularly interesting character concept and a particularly interesting plot point if you can swing it that way well and you see that a lot in like monastic types members of holy orders yep templar like knights that sort of thing and yeah paladins there are things in games especially fantasy games where vows have some weight other than your own moral choice there's something enforcing them like a geese or something like that yeah they can either be empowering or they can be dangerous to break right or both that's a common thing in mythology in general like the fey and promises yeah breaking promises the fey very common even in the legends of king arthur like they swear vows of various different types and i remember reading in at least one of them that i can't remember the character for the life of me but on breaking a vow basically that's where his quest ends Oh, you're about to reach the grail? Oh, no, you broke your vow. Go home. You lose. 
You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Well, but it's a very traditional part of mythology, right? Yeah, it is. Or tricking people into breaking their oath. So playing around with that, you know, trying to find ways to break that or what happens if that's broken. Consider a unicorn traditionally attracted to young virgins can only be touched by them, only be found by them in the forest, things like that. Usually female, sometimes elf. But what I'm saying is in that mythological sense, it has some powers. That's something you can always play around with. What happens when that vow of chastity is broken? Is it just personal relationships or is there something else bigger tied to that? It's one of those things that can make an impact, and I like the idea of using it for a character. I don't know that it's necessarily a plot. It's a neat piece of character texture, certainly, but I don't know. We're going to kind of go into temptation next after this, and this is one of those things where it's like, this is really lines and veils problematic subject material for a lot of people. Yeah. It certainly would be for me. This is stuff that was more like veil territory for me, obviously, mm-hmm. but they're kind of thick veils. Right. Whereas in a lot of the games I play, I've been playing a couple games of Monster Hearts where chastity or celibacy is not in the game because everyone has a sex move. And a lot of times... It's showing that doing it is not the best thing. A whole lot of very nasty things happen to you if you use some of them. Right. Other people can use it for power, which sort of explains the whole teen relationships or growing relationships and things like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it basically like Twilight the role-playing game? It's high school. It can be Twilight the role-playing game if you take everything that's bad about Twilight that you don't like out because you're doing it and keeping in whatever is good and young adult paranormal romance fiction the role-playing game okay Mm -hmm. the other thing that is sort of coming to my mind is that the concept of chastity is also tied to purity yes yeah purity of a body and usually of course with women and i'm feeling drawn to mention something about the whole concept of the view of women and chastity because a lot of times it's women get struck harder with the idea of chastity and promiscuity than men do Sure. Well, listen, I've got a friend who his father encouraged him to go out and sow his wild oats, and he certainly wouldn't tell his three daughters to do the same thing. There is definitely a double standard there. Which way you see that double standard leaning may depend a lot on your faith and your life experience. That's the way of it. But you're right that there is often a double standard, and Purity is very closely tied to sexuality and chastity. Which is why the unicorns are supposedly attracted to virginal women, because right. of their purity. Exactly. The other thing that brought to my mind was the virgin whore complex, which is a lot of people can only see women as either completely, totally pure chastity virginal or complete and utter promiscuous whores. Yeah. Uh, which is a problem in the real world that kind of comes from this. It's a misinterpretation of chastity, I think. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And that in and of itself could be something to explore in game, you know? Well, it's definitely Um, something you don't want to really put in game because it's very off-putting to... Well, I think it's something that you could put in the game as something that 
needs to be fought against just like it does in the real oh, yes. world. You yeah. can have like an overly zealous religious organization or... Yeah, I'm not saying, oh, hey, here's the character concept. <laughs> I'm saying, here's a group of people who have this firm belief, but you think it's wrong. How do you deal with it? You know, it's a complicated topic. Do you need to watch out for lines and veils? Absolutely. But like any good complicated topic where there's maybe not a clear cut right answer, or at least the right answer takes some work and some explaining and some thought. Yeah, I think it's worth exploring if you and your group are up for it. Mm -hmm. And you can do it judiciously and tastefully yes i think that goes without saying you definitely don't want to push people away i say it goes without saying and then i immediately want to follow that up with but it's worth saying again so (laughs) (laughs) well it should go without saying there we go and it is worth saying again because it should be just something you don't have to say it's respect your group but since it is a problem it's worth saying again respect your group yes respect is a word we're going to be using a lot here yeah. There's another idea related to this, and tangentially related, is temptation. As Peter was saying, you got to do this lightly, be very light, mindful of those lines and veils. But tempting people out of a chaste relationship or tempting people into a relationship before marriage, things like that, it's adultery is one of those things that happens a lot. And while that doesn't make it right, it makes it a recognizable temptation, which can be very useful in a game. Yeah, I would almost say that I would confine that to plot device status and let that be something that brings down NPCs or something. You know, it depends on the game. I would be personally happy having a character who has to fight that temptation. Would I ever want him to give in? I don't know that I would want to, but I would want to play a character, or I would be okay playing a character who does have to fight that for whatever reason. And see, the thing is, with my narrow separation between character and player that I often have, I think my character would probably fight that temptation at sword point, and that would well, get awkward yeah. quickly. And it depends on the game. Again, yeah. dungeon crawl? Yeah. No, doesn't belong. In a, a very introspective sort of game? Yeah, all right. Well, to be fair, you saying this actually made me think about something that happened last week in the gaming session. Because I okay. when we're not recording here on these weeks, I'm running Monster Hearts. And in the last week's session, we have this these two people who are in a committed relationship with one another. Yep. You know, they love each other, it's the most sappy thing, makes you want to gag yourself with spoons. But it's adorable and I absolutely love it. But one of them got in a position with another character who is playing the mortal who's the, basically the purpose of the mortal is to be in love with someone who doesn't love them back and have that person abuse them and then cause problems. Uh-huh. And the mortal had switched to this other person. So she, he was trying to very unsuccessfully get at one of the people in the relationship because they were in a committed relationship and the mortal was already seen as sort of a huge problem maker before they became a problem maker. And these people were caught in the woods after escaping from this facility that they had gone in to rescue another party member. And everyone kept getting hurt and everyone kept getting captured. And finally the dice had laid and these were the people getting out. This was the person who was getting stuck in there. You guys are good to go. They found themselves out in the woods And one of the rules of Monster Hearts is if you have intimate time with someone, 
you can heal an extra point. Hmm. You can only do it once per session, and everyone only gets four points of health. So going from one to two is a huge boost. And so this person had to make a decision in the game. Is She knew she was going to take harm because she has a move that makes her have to submerse herself in water each day, or else she takes harm. And having sex with someone counts as submerging yourself with water. And she already was at, like, two harm. So she was looking at taking really a huge hit of harm if she didn't heal herself. And it was a huge, huge draw because there was some mechanical benefits for it. But on the other right. side... If I'm doing my math right there, that's basically a net loss of two points of health you know, yeah. in terms of opportunity. Either one or three. Yeah. And so she, it's like, oh gosh, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And the player actually ended up saying, you are best DM ever and I hate you. Or something along <laughs> the lines of it. And uh, Music to any GM's ears, right? Oh yes, I, I was like, I'm perfectly happy with you saying that. I'm probably putting it on my SIG. But anyway, they decided not to do it. And it was a really powerful, moving scene because it was temptation. It was the right. best kind of temptation. And this is exactly sort of the thing that I wanted to mention when we we're talking about the vices and the virtues. Is it made the temptation of being a bad person have a mechanical benefit so that it really had a temptation to this person. At the so virtue actually cost them something. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. But at the same time, that's a really good character. And you can look at that and say, no, you know what? They did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And... Everybody feels good about it. And, you know, will it hurt them? Sure. But boy, you feel awesome. And everybody feels awesome when they walk out of there going, that was cool. Yeah. It put her in a tight spot, but if she had slept with the other guy, there would have been problems. Yeah, exactly. They would have just kicked the can down the road. You would have gotten out of this situation and you would have had more trouble down the road, which is the thing that I've been trying to drive at with all these virtues and vices when we first said this is that if you want to actually tell a good story, with a virtue or a vice, being virtuous needs to cost you something. Because it's easy to be good if you get a reward for it. Well, and it's easy to be good if there's no difficulty or temptation. Yeah. And yeah. if you have no penalty for being good, then of course people are going to be good. And that doesn't really show what kind of character this person is. Well, and the thing that I want to come back to from what I said earlier is... The situation that I described would be a character that was basically trading lust for wrath. Yeah. Somebody tries to seduce him and he backs up and, you know, pulls a weapon on the person. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a not okay yeah. reaction. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I've seen that D&D &D character. Yeah. I've also mm -hmm. seen the character said, what? You're trying to seduce me? Let's go. Yeah, Peter, what I was saying here was not meant to disparage the character concept. No, no, I, I know. I just wanted to kind of go back around to that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. no, you're you know, right. some, it's interesting that sometimes... Temptation looks like one thing, but if a character has, like, calluses in one area and doesn't submit to one particular vice easily, but is weak in another one, sometimes they'll kind of compensate for the area where they're strong with the one where they're weak. Right. As bizarre as that sounds. No, I, I hear you. Honestly, Peter, that was the first Monster Arts character I ever played. My angel. Like, anyone was trying to turn him on, you succeed. Because he wasn't going to sleep with you. I read in the rules that he couldn't make me sleep with someone. He was in a sort of committed relationship with his girlfriend. Never going to ever throw anyone that bone. But he had pride. He had a whole bunch of other things like that that were really going to pull him down. He had wrath out of everything. He was going around punishing people 
unjustly because he'd been thrown out of heaven. Of course, he knows the right way and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all sorts of really horrible, bad things. And so he was not a nice guy. He was not a good character. And he was perfect for the game because he embodied all of this anger and wrath and rage and rah. Sounds like pride yeah. as well. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, well, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. I'm like, yeah, because he's he's got all these other buttons. I, the first act I ever did in, in game was talk down to someone and then smash a car. <laughs> that is not a good person. I belittled someone for a choice that they had made and judged them unfairly. And I, I got paid a price for it because I smashed a car and I looked like a psychopath. But that's what the game was about. Yeah. To pull it back to temptation a little bit, have either of you seen Batman Year One? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. For those who haven't, it's basically the story of Commissioner Gordon. Oh, and also Batman shows up at yeah. some point. But it's the story of Commissioner Gordon that I'm actually thinking of here. It has one of the the plot points in there, and this is mildly spoilerific, but eh, whatever. He gets tempted into just a moment of weakness nothing major like going to sleep with someone yeah i think he just kisses somebody inappropriately he just kisses someone that he's been on the job with for you know like 48 hours on a stakeout i was under the impression that the kiss meant more but actually i don't think it did i'm I'm gonna get to that but you know that pic but then someone takes a picture of that and uses that to try and blackmail him and so it's just these little moments of weakness that can have repercussions. It doesn't have to be this full-blown, oh, look, I'm an adulterer kind of thing. Yeah. Just little moments of weakness. Well, and the way he handles that is really cool, too. It does. And that's very spoilery, so I don't want to get into that. And I wish I could. Yeah, but seriously, it's on Netflix. It's really good. Go watch it. It's well yeah. worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Don't expect a lot of Batman. Just fair warning. But, you know, other than that, it's really good. Yeah, there are some good moments with Batman, too, but the Gordon stuff is really where it's at in that particular story. Yeah, he's really the It makes Gordon badass. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, it it really does. (laughs) Yes. And I liked him from the animated series, and this really just made it like, okay, no, Commissioner Gordon's pretty awesome. Yeah, and the thing is, it's interesting because the very competent, very decent, very impressively virtuous character that you see in the newer Batman movies, Mm -hmm. this almost looks like that character's origin story in a lot of ways. Well, I I suspect it is in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, Gordon is pretty much the same regardless of who's writing. He's kind of set in stone, but... And it gets to what Brandon was talking about, too, where that is hard. You can see it taking a toll on him. Yeah. So, well worth seeing. Yeah, not just in the lust versus chastity thing, but purity versus corruption in a lot of ways in in a lot of different areas courage is hard yeah Yeah. and he is very courageous being a good person needs to be hard otherwise there's no point in doing it otherwise it is exactly what you hate grant of you give a copper to a peasant and that peasant gives you a buff that lets you get more money yes like that is Uh. that is not good there's not charity there's not anything virtuous that is, that is a vending evil. machine that is thinly disguised. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is a thinly disguised buff vendor. It, it is at best neutral. At worst, it's evil because you're exploiting something. Well, if you're not yeah. actually expecting yeah. anything and that's what happens, then it's it's kind of like, eh, okay, maybe your intentions were good, but it's like, it's lazy storytelling. Yeah. Well, and in a video game, that only works once. If it happens every time in a tabletop game, it quickly becomes the same yeah. thing, right? So, 
All right, enough about temptation. Let's move on to marriage, which certainly has no temptation whatsoever in it, right? <laughs> uh... Yeah. My big point on marriage as something to bring up in-game is that it's actually, I think, pretty rare for player characters to be married. And there's a couple of reasons for this, and I, I want to go into yeah. this a little bit. Yeah, and I, I know what your first reason is going to be, I bet you, but go ahead. First of all, chronic hostage syndrome. A lot of the time, and I think people have had bad GMs and stuff in the past, and people try and go for like the Batman character with no ties to anybody and just alone in the world because they're afraid that if they have any characters that their character is tied to that aren't also fearsome adventurers themselves, they're just going to constantly be hostages. And unfortunately, the fact of the matter is a lot of the time in role-playing campaigns, they're not wrong. Yeah, Inexperienced GMs in particular have a tendency to, to grab loved ones and put them in horrible situations to mess with players, and that gets old. I, I wouldn't even say inexperienced. I would say in many times it's uncreative GMs. Yeah, lazy maybe. Eh, uncreative, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, uncreative, because I'm a lazy GM, and... I have not done that yet. I don't want to. I don't want to say necessarily uncreative, and I also don't necessarily want to say lazy. But those two do have like weight on this. I, I would say just it's an easy thing to pull. I need a loved one. It is. How are you going to raise the stakes? You throw in a loved one. Right. I'll admit I I had a game. Well, one of the very first characters I ever run. I I kind of count this as my first character because my other ones didn't really count because I don't know other things. But it was the first I, game. Yeah. <laughs> I have characters like that, too. Yeah. And uh, first character played a bard who was an Azimir. And at the end of the story, he had a wife and they went off to the regular plane. They had kids. The person who was the GM did a drawing of them because she was an artist. And like in the next game, I wanted to bring him back. But the GM was very good at horror games and stuff like that. So I basically told him. I want to play this character. I want to have the story in my background. I don't want you using these people as, like, fodder. Right. I basically said, you cannot touch my family. Like, if you touch my family, I walk away from the game immediately. So the second thing that's a problem with marriage in the context of games is the person's not a chronic hostage. They're just a nasty, controlling shrew. And frankly, this is a trope that I can't stand in media in general. Yes. Happy, healthy, mutually supportive marriages are a lot more common than popular media would have you believe. There are two of right. them represented in this very podcast. Yeah. Are there rough spots in those marriages? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Of course. But that does not define the marriage. No. I think actually one of the things that gets neglected a lot if marriage does make it into games is that spouses really tend to support each other a lot. Yeah. They cover for each other's weak spots. That language about the two becoming one is really, in the Bible, is really very accurate in a lot of ways. You get kind of a whole is greater than the sum of its parts kind of thing if things are working properly. Absolutely. Can I make some broad generalizations here? Sure. That's sexist of you. Broad generalizations. Get in the pun box. Yeah. Two minute penalty. Yeah. Get in the box. <laughs> right now. <laughs> We're just going to have a moment of silence for that pun. <laughs> Grab the dunce cap on your way in. Face the wall. In the corner. No, yeah. not in the middle. <laughs> Broad generalizations here. I suspect that in gaming in particular, this comes from, I think, people who have started gaming at an early age when they are in 
high school grade relationships with all the attendant drama when they are seeing marriage from the outside, right? Where fights sort of stand out and all they really know is marriage as it's presented in movies and TV. And marriage is portrayed horribly in movies and TV, as Peter said. Exactly. And if that's kind of what you're thinking of, that's kind of how it's going to be in your game. I'm reminded of a cracked TV article where they talked about uh, romantic comedies and how they're absolutely horrible for relationships. Because at the beginning of the relationships, you have the most truest relationship where there's problems, but the message is you leave those because this person's a nagging and they show any little problem, they just exaggerated he's he's not just a jerk he's you know like horribly evil he's horribly evil mustache rolling he's gonna chase you around for like the next two acts and try to do horrible things to you because you dumped him yeah or she's going to do that the gender goes both ways either way whichever Yeah. yeah it's a big problem and i think if you're drawing from that as your inspiration and that's the thing we draw a lot from the media we've consumed for our games so if we're thinking along those lines that's kind of what we're going to end up with in games. God forbid we run a game based on cops. If that's kind of all we're seeing and all we're thinking about, well, that's what we're going to present in the game. And you're right. In reality, there's a lot more happy, supportive, healthy marriages. And playing those, I think, is interesting. Now, I would say, Brandon, my personal taste would be, you know, I if I had a, a family for my character in the game, mm-hmm. I would want them kind of hands off, right? We're not going to be talking about Liam Neeson saying, you know, I will find you, I will do whatever I didn't see the movie, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I will find you, and I will kill you. I have a very particular set of skills, yeah. Right, thank you. I couldn't remember it. But we're not talking about that sort of guy where where my family's been taken hostage again this week. Time to go do the thing. Time to go wipe out another villainous organization. Right. (laughs) I would want them involved as NPCs who I interact with rather than... Uh, yeah, I've got in my backstory that he's married. Really? I've never seen any family members even show up in the in the game. Well, that kind of goes to the other topic that I was saying. is There's a third option, which is a whole lot more common than even the true. They are cardboard cutouts. Yes. They are nothing. They are ghosts. Right. Maybe even literally, I had a wife and she died because of the orc invasion. And right. so I hate the orcs. Some of that may come down to the fact that the GM isn't comfortable playing a happy, lovey-dovey spouse or playing a real marriage as opposed to something fake and cardboardy because the cardboard is safer yeah. to act out. So that may be kind of where that comes from. But I think it's worth exploring. I think it's worth getting into. I have always liked those kinds of stories because it inherently adds depth and dimension to a character oh yeah it does yeah, i mean i liked wash and zoe and firefly i liked aveline and donick and dragon age 2 when they're done well it's interesting right and not even marriage relationships in general that are like yeah that, true that are healthy and interesting i've recently finished reading the latest brandon sanderson book words of radiance he has a new romance in there that is sort of a plot thing that uh I don't know if you, you want to mention if you want me to mention it, but the, it's done really well. Mm, probably not, if only because I haven't read either of those books yet. Yeah. So that book just came out what three, four weeks ago, something like that. If yeah. that, yeah. And Peter's still trying to ice his back from moving the boxes of that book. So <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <you> know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really that big of a secret, but I didn't want to spoil it because it's not that big of a secret, thanks. but it is that big of a book. That's right. 
Yeah, you can stop a really large door with that book. (laughs) Who invests in high chairs? Buy Sanderson novels. And then when the kids get older, they can read them. And, you know, it'll be Uh, like double nostalgia or something. I don't know. Exactly. Doing marriage in games is hard. I believe you mentioned that somewhere earlier. Yes, (laughs) quite a lot. But I actually have another idea that hit me because after I sit down recording, I finally get the ideas that I want to talk about. Of course. Which is... A quote from what my now-deceased grandfather about him and the woman who is my grandmother. Before they were married, he was considering them married. There's been some hoopla in my family about a relative of mine moving in and living with a boyfriend before marriage. And some relatives are getting all up in arms, some are not. And so I've got this whole chastity and war just pushing at me right now. Uh, So it's... Yeah. One of the things that I've fallen on top of is... The fact that marriage is different now. As I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, the wife was consecrated to the husband. It was about property rights. It was about different things like that. We have a committed form of relationship. And in chastity, it is about following commitments. And it's about not going out and having wild sexual escapades with everyone else. So part of me could say that if your character, even if he's not necessarily 100% married to this person... If they're having a committed relationship that is not all about, well, I go upstairs and do her, then I would say that falls into a good representation. You can pull as much sex out of there as possible. Keep it as like Romeo and Juliet, two balconies if you want. But that's sort of the thing that we're aiming. I don't know that that completely passes the theology test, but it certainly passes the narrative one. I'll grant you that. On that note, and we're kind of running long here, I did want to talk about chastity as it affects your gaming group, right? Outside of the game itself. And this comes back to that word that we used a couple of times before, respect. Respecting lines and veils, respecting personal boundaries, and I think most important of all, respect for existing relationships. Yeah. Because I've seen that screw up games and friendships before. If someone is in a relationship, don't try and tempt them out of it. Now, if it's a bad abusive relationship, you may want to talk them out of it, but not out of self-interest. You may want to get them to a battered person shelter and call the police them out of it. Well, (laughs) not even that. Listen, if it's that bad, yeah, do that. If it's not a healthy relationship and you don't think that these two people are right for each other, you know, that's a conversation you may want to have with them. But if you're interested in someone and they're in a committed relationship, you know, you got to respect that. I have heard nice romantic stories about relationships that were started with this sort of things. And it's caused problems before, even if the people were right for each other and everything like that, because it was just not the right way to go about it. Yeah. And you have to remember, if you're starting your relationship by cheating with someone, if they'll do it with you, they'll do it to you. Yeah. Unfortunately true. Well, you're building your house on sand there. Yes. There we go. I don't know. I don't have a lot else on that. It seems odd that we have so little advice for the real world, but... I think respect is pretty all-encompassing. Covers a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could go into more specifics, but I don't know that we need to. The other benefit with chastity, sort of around with lust, is keeping it in your pants because if romantic relationships break out between friends even if it's not caused in a cheating mentality it can cause problems yes this dude calls this girl they go out one time they sleep with each other one of them doesn't call the other one back 
And now gaming's awkward. And now it's awkward. Yeah. 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 There's a reason you keep it in your pants till marriage. Yeah. It's not just one of those reasons. It's not just because it's the wholly unexpected thing to do. It's because you avoid an awful lot of problems that yeah. way. Yeah. Yes. Or at least exactly. keep it in a committed relationship, not doing one night stands, which is the problem that happened. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen that happen and it, it is problematic. No question. And I don't want to heavily moralize at people here. In part because, well, let he who's without sin cast yeah. the first stone, right? That's sort of why I've been taking the tact I have, because I find it really hard to say the certain things that are said in here, which is part of the reason why I thought I didn't have a lot to say here. Hey, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, so... yeah. there's a reason I've kept quiet on various different topics. But I've seen a lack of chastity, let me put it that way, of all different types all the different permutations of that lack of chastity really hurt friendships and relationships and, yes, gaming groups, which are, if you're doing it right, nothing more than friendships that meet on a regular basis and have fun together. Yeah, it's a friendship that happens to have a regular planned activity Yeah, as part of the mix of that friendship, which is why our Friday night game works so well. Exactly. So I've seen it really hurt those. The other thing I did want to to throw out there one last thing about the gaming group is if you are gaming with married couples be respectful and do not get in their marital strife if it comes up at the table well, that too <laughs> but i was also going to say if you are in a married couple do not bring your strife at the table well don't go out of your way to make it awkward for people don't necessarily play that up within that gaming group you know respect other people's lines and veils even if you're oh well you know we're married if you want other people to respect your marriage respect other people's marriages and maybe their lack of relationships hi that's really kind of what i'm i'm trying to go for here yeah and i mean we joked a lot with brandon before this about how we were gonna gush about how wonderful marriage was and stuff and nauseate him mm -hmm. but we and we've largely kept that to a minimum yeah, oh, yeah so. we really have kept that down to what was necessary for the topic Difficult though it may be. I mean, we're already running yeah. long. I haven't used my butter knife once. It's great. There you go. <laughs> I'll admit that's... It can be a problem. Yeah. yeah, It can be a problem, but like, I'm not saying it's like, if you're married, you should not be loving to your spouse at the no. table. No, 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 certainly not. But don't put it, don't throw it in people's yeah. faces, right? And don't use that as an excuse to be shocking and... Well, there's a big difference between being loving and excessive PDA. Yeah or verbal flirtation or that sort of thing. It's like, I don't think any sane and healthy person is really going to be offended if, like, a husband and wife sit next to each other and have their arms around each other while they're eating dinner during the gaming group. That's kind of normal. Well, that would be awkward, but, you know. <laughs> okay. I don't... <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to eat that way, but it's, you know, it's like... No, I just want to know how he's pulling that off. Yeah, I mean... I Really? It's How? nearly what? impossible what? to eat with your arm around somebody. It's just saying. But yeah. especially if it's something that you have to cut or, you know. It's Listen, like... sushi, if you got one hand and chopsticks, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> then you got to whip out the telekinesis potions and, like, hold the steak in place with your mind. One of and... you has the spoon. The other has a fork. You both have your arms around each other. And it's like it's like the people who twist their arms in between each other to drink wine. Listen, You're... I've tried that. And all I ended up with was a shirt full of wine. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's awkward. Likewise, you have our arms around each other, try and feed each other. Oh, God, I have chicken in my eye. How did... Ow. No. All right. 
Uh, right. You're supposed to swallow the chicken, not use it as eye drops. Do we have anything else on this that isn't related to goofiness? Food ending up on clothes? No, I don't think so. Well, I'm out of things to talk about. Yeah. At least as far as chastity. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Yep. Once again, remind everybody, past episodes in the Virtues and Vices series, as well as our Science of Storytelling series and everything else, available on our website, savingthegamepodcast.org. Also, you can find those at our inroadsministries.com feed. And if you've got feedback, questions, comments on anything we've said here or any other past episodes, go ahead and send that to us. Post it in the comments on the episode or in our Google Plus community, which is awesome and full of awesome people. And from all of us here at Saving the Game, I want to wish everybody a good couple of weeks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya! This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through InroadsMinistries.com, RPGPodcasts.com, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.